You're listening to the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, your escape to reality. Hello and welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Today is Wednesday, December 29th, 2010, and this is your host, Stephen Novella. Joining me this week are Bob Novella. Hey, everybody. Rebecca Watson. Hello, everyone. Jay Novella. What's up, guys? Evan Bernstein. Happy New Year. And our special guest, Mike LaSalle. Hey, what? guys. How's it going? It's Mike. Mike. Hey. I remember Mike. Yeah, this is now a tradition. Mike joins us for the year-end wrap-up episode every year. And get paid handsomely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Before we get started, Evan, tell us about this day. All right, but I'll need some help introducing this from, well, you'll hear. Have you ever heard of a thing called fluoridation? Fluoridation of water? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I have heard of that, Jack, yes. yes. Well, do you know what it is? No. <laughs> do you realize that fluoridation is the most monstrously conceived and dangerous communist plot we have ever had to face? All right. <laughs> what the hell? Is that I'm Sergeant in Jack history. Ripper? Is that <laughs> <laughs> Colonel Ripper. Colonel Jack Ripper. <laughs> Colonel Jack Ripper. On January 1st, 1967, the first fluoridation law in the United States went into effect here in Connecticut, requiring fluoridation of public water supplies serving 20,000 people or more. Yeah. The water uh, fluoridation era began in 1945 when the cities of Newburgh, New York, New York City, Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, began adding sodium fluoride to the public water system. And it didn't take long for the cranks to get in there and start complaining about... Their precious bodily fluids. Yeah, <laughs> our precious bodily fluids. They still complain about it today. Oh, yeah. Bastards. Yes, there is such a thing as too much fluoridation and too much fluoride for the body, but it's been shown to be very effective when controlled, you know, certain uh, certain doses. Yeah, the current doses in, pub- in public water systems, it's actually quite, yeah, quite effective in reducing tooth decay, and it's perfectly safe. You don't even have to brush perfectly your teeth anymore. Safe. Well, nope. I wouldn't, wouldn't go that far, but... No, it's true. No brushing, no flossing. It's fine. I wonder what Kubrick would have done, though, if he didn't have the fluoridation hysteria of the time to kind of... Wi-Fi, maybe? Interfering with my precious bodily cells. <laughs> what? Uh, so this is our year-end wrap-up episode, 2010 Year in Review, and quite a year it has been. Is it the end of the year already? Isn't that like amazing? Did this, yeah. this year just start? It just goes by faster all the time. Yeah. This is what it's like to be old. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It keeps going by faster and faster. No, really. Your perception you, of time. Someone it does. It was asking up. me like how long I've been on the podcast, and it's something like four years or something. Mm-hmm. It's getting close to five. But That's insane. It's completely insane. You thought You thought it was like three months or something, right? Yeah. You can't believe I haven't dropped you losers yet. This will die Jesus. out fast. Yeah. <laughs> you old bitty. <laughs> Rebecca, did you ever have a moment, say, within the first three or four months where you were like, what am I doing with these idiots? <laughs> yeah. No, I still have this moment. Every, every fucking show. Jay. That was too easy, <laughs> Jay. Too easy. What am I doing? <laughs> yet you still... Come Rebecca back. started on episode 35, which means this is her 250th episode. Wow. Really? Yeah, this is episode 285. Yeah. You know what? We should have Mike 
in the background of all of our shows, <laughs> not saying anything except for occasionally popping up with little tidbits, like yeah, like like pop up video. Yeah, pop-up remember video. that? Yeah, that's right. Oh, that was great. Which we I can only say because that. I'm an old, you know, <laughs> all the kids are. Mike can play like a little ding like noise and just shoot out the fact. Right. <laughs> <laughs> pop up skeptic. <laughs> pop up Michael yeah. Uh, Mike Lassell. Well, we're going to start with the best and worst of 2010. Uh, we did poll our listeners, and we will be throwing in our own opinions as well, starting with everyone's favorite episode. So what was your favorite episode this year? What do you think, guys? This Australia. one. This one. This one. This one we're doing right now? It's 2011. Australia was my favorite episode. And it wasn't for anything we necessarily said on the episode. It was just for the fact that we were all together in Australia. Yeah. Well, it's hard to argue with that. (laughs) I have to agree with that. For us, the live (laughs) shows are are a lot of fun. Yeah. Because we're all all together, you know. Uh, Although the Vancouver show was awesome. The only problem with the Vancouver show is that Rebecca wasn't there. Yeah. It was the Canada (laughs) thing, too. You know, a lot of bald people there. Yeah. it was uh, yeah. the Vancouver show because George George Trav was with us and he's just awesome. Pride. Yeah, yeah. George did a couple of ridiculously funny things during that show, and uh, I thought that we all were having a really good time. I was trying to figure out why that show ended up being my favorite show of the year as well, and I think part of it was that we were ridiculously amped to go to Australia, and we yeah. were we were really jet lagged, so we were all like our guard was completely down. Like, I was very uncensored. See, that's how it is for me to do every episode. <laughs> oh, that's the key. Yeah, just oh. really jet-lagged. They're doing inhibit your frontal lobe some way. You know, yeah. uh, something that, that uh, the listeners don't know about is that right before we went on stage, we were all standing out there in the cold, like waiting for them to just tell us, okay, guys, it's time to come. So we all got into a really heated conversation about something. I don't remember what the hell we were talking about. We were all like laughing and we were just like, totally involved we were we were silly out there yeah because we were all sleep deprived and then then we hear evan bernstein and then like five seconds goes by evan bernstein you know like it's like i'm here why who's call- oh i gotta go <laughs> on stage <laughs> professionals true professionals it's hard it's hard to hear through a steel door outside in the vancouver cold <laughs> it's not exactly easy <laughs> Uh, there were a couple of votes from our listeners for episode 259. Not sure why. That was the June 28th episode. Uh, no interview. Just uh, we talked about whooping cough epidemic and uh, a whaling film. Um, Sounds like a blast. Call to ban <laughs> homeopathy. Yeah. But whatever. Whaling call. Sunscreen. That was that was the sunscreen episode. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. You know, that's the problem, though, is that, you know, I was looking over the, our past episodes in order to get a feel for well, what, what was the funniest episode, you know, which one was the most fun. And it's really difficult to tell because you never know what is going to result. Like, it's not what's in the notes page. It's not the main points of the episode. It's just whatever gets us off on a tangent. Yeah, that it's the unexpected up, banter that makes the, yeah. the episode yeah. really good. Well, that, right. I, think, I think that's, again, that's because we're really riffing and we're just being, you know, kind of dorks ourselves and not kind of you know, thinking about the stuff that we were reading about and researching all week. You were, well, we got, yeah, researching so, all week. Yeah, yeah right. All, all week. week. <laughs> so Jay, Jay, what we need, we, gotta, we have to add a banter index to the show notes page so we can better Well, this assess. is what Mike used to do. Yeah. Mike, that's why Mike yeah. 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 used to have a fan like, page. Mike, get oh, back yeah, on that. that. A, the that fan page was resource. awesome. Yeah, because you had like funny quotes from every episode and things like that. 
We need someone someone who's listening now, who listens to every show obsessively. You need to get in touch with us so we can hook you up with Mike so you can get the fan page running again. Yeah, because we have Mike yes. busy doing other stuff. Yeah, I mean, so, I guess yeah. Mike really sure. stopped doing that stuff, guys, because we just asked him to do a lot of other more important stuff for us. And it was like, all right, do I do this or do I do the stuff they really need done? So... Plus, I'm not really a fan anymore. No, you're not a fan. <laughs> no, <laughs> kind of like, you've, you've been on the show too it. many times. You've, you've, you've transcended that status. No, he just doesn't like the show anymore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. okay. Oh, okay. No, I think Mike said, and I quote, "I see Evans an asshole." <laughs> Is that what he said? My Skype that cut does out sound at the time, exactly and like I thought I, I heard the Evan is part, and I'm like, "Oh, he must have said good guy." Mm-hmm. All right, best interview. So my my favorite two interviews of the year were Aubrey de Grey and Sanal. Sanal, mm-hmm. if you remember, um, is the Indian skeptic who debunked the killy, killy, killy guy that said he was going to kill <laughs> yeah. kill him by basically concentrating on him. And, and uh, Sanal went through this awesome description of his story and what happened. And, oh, God, it also happens to be one of the funniest things that I remember of the year was when Sanal said uh, the guy was trying to strike him down. And it, he just said it. So, uh, like, he yeah. was terrified, you know what I mean? And he was, like, expressing how terrified he was, but it was so funny. Yeah. I have to say that was one of my favorite interviews as well, despite the fact that that was overwhelmingly the most difficult interview for me to edit. But it was a great interview. But it was a great interview. Yeah. That's all yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. Plus, that was, a, that was really one of the – it's got to be one of the top five or ten skeptical moments in history. I mean, think of the audience this guy had. Yeah. Hundreds, hundreds of millions of guy of people – Watching him pretty much totally own this guy, so that to me that was a, a huge, huge moment in, in skepticism. Well, it was a it was an impromptu conflict that they had on on TV. They didn't really know that things were going to go that way. And then what happened was it was so well received, so many people tuned in and were were totally glued to their TV sets for hours past the, when the yeah. program was supposed to end. And it's tens or hundreds of millions of people. Oh yeah, it was, it was the numbers were phenomenal. And then what happened was they planned the next day they had another special TV show where the guy was going to try to kill him again by by using tantric uh you know meditation on him and whatnot. So what a, what an event and I'm telling you this guy became a superstar after that in India. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 We got some listener votes for Daniel Wilson who the the guy who discussed robots they said. That was a good oh, yeah. interview. The robot yeah. guy. That was good. Oh, he was awesome. Interview. Yeah, we yeah. really clicked with him. He was really yeah. fun to he talk to. I mean, what the hell? How, how to raise your robot army? What's not to love? <laughs> right. A few people on Twitter have nominated Reese Morgan. As one of the mm-hmm. best interviews, Reese being the um, the young British lad who uh, debunked the crazy the bleach, bleach, yeah, bleach, yeah, the drinking bleach cure. Ugh. Who and and Reese ended up, of course, winning the Skeptic of the Year at Tam London. He was just cool. an awesome kid. Well deserved. Of course, all the interviews were awesome. I mean, we had a really good year for interviews. Re- a lot of the regular uh, skeptics. We had on our show, but also some new new names, uh, new voices. So they were all good. But I agree that uh, for some reason, I don't know. Yes, Jay Sanal Sanal was my favorite. Oh, you know, a funny a funny uh, memory from interviewing Aubrey de Grey. Do you guys remember when uh, I was so excited to talk to Aubrey de Grey? Oh, there's still stains all over. The and place, I, <laughs> and um, you know, I was just like, <laughs> it's it's just so so rare that I get that amped over meeting someone who, you know, I kind of been following and reading about for years and years. I think, you know, if I met like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'd get, 
maybe equally as as excited just because of <laughs> the position that uh, Aubrey has in my life intellectually and what his life pursuit is and everything. So anyway, so um, we're doing the interview, and he he said to Steve at one point. Oh, that's a good question, you know? And then Bob asked a question, and he complimented Bob on his question, and then I asked him a question. <laughs> well, yeah, well, meanwhile, Jay, wait, Jay's typing to us in the <laughs> Skype chat. It's like, oh, God, Aubrey DeGray just, you know, praised you two guys. I, I got to ask him a really good question now. I got to get him to praise my question. So then, so Jay, Jay comes out with his question, and Aubrey DeGray goes, I don't understand what you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh man. man. And you guys, you guys literally could hear me just deflate. I was like, <laughs> really? And then I had to like restate my question like three times. <laughs> oh, boy. That's- Jay-, Jay cried for two weeks after I was that. so pissed. That, yeah, that was almost that's as bad as when just- you couldn't bend the frying pan. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Almost. Bob, and I'm sure that you've uploaded video of that to YouTube. No, I haven't. I believe the boys are talking about bending a frying pan. A listener had volunteered to show them how to do that in Australia. No, it was Jason. It was Jason. Jason, Jason was Australian working. Skeptics, working. Yeah. yeah, he's a great guy. I ripped a phone book in half. He taught us how to rip yeah. the phone book in half and uh, bend frying pan. So he was, mm-hmm. he was a lot of fun. I was you great. all looked very manly. Another interview that got to mention was the Randy Banachek uh, interview. Yeah. And we decided one. this year uh, at TAM 8 to do interviews with multiple people at once because we don't really get an opportunity to do that on Skype. It's not really practical. But in person, we can do that. We can do the combo interviews. I think that worked really well. I mean, it did. Know, it really the listeners did. should tell us what they think. But I think those combo interviews are, are work, and, and, and we plan on doing that next year at TAM as well. Next year, it's going to be Jenny McCarthy and Amanda Peet. At, oh, yeah. Oh, one boy. In, one interview. I can interview them in my room. <laughs> Mike, Mike, you're not here to bring down the tone. Yeah, that, that's Rebecca's job. That's I'm job. sorry. Don't step on my toes. All right, funniest moment. This is tough. Who can remember? Yeah. But I know what the funniest moment is. All right, go on. And correct me if I'm wrong, if this wasn't this year, but wasn't this the year that we remembered how creepy Bob sounded in yes. episode one? <laughs> yes. Hello. This is the hello. Oh, hello. Five year anniversary. It was the five year anniversary episode. Hello. Oh boy. Hello. Hello. I mean I I got more well, that had legs, didn't it? More people in person came up to me and their first thing they said to me was Hello. You know, like that <laughs> And it was instantaneous, like, yep, I know, right? How how screwed up is that? That that was Bob, I'm sorry, that was our best bit this year. Was yeah. making it, fun of you uh, hello. It you know, it um you know, whatever. I'm it had it had legs. That had legs. So yeah, whatever. That, that's fine. It was anything. You know, it was funny. So what the hell? I uh, can't. I still don't believe that. That's really me. I think you do tweak that in post production, Steve. Because I have no memory, no memory of sounding so stupid. Then again, that's I usually don't have a memory. It out. Yeah, Bob. Must the, have. the thing that I love is whenever I think about that, I I could just picture you sitting there at your desk, like trying, like cause Bob. Let's face it, you were trying to sound cool. You no. Were try- no, like, no, no, yes, no, yes. Can't, Jay, Jay, there's nothing cool. There's nothing cool about thing. what came out of my mouth that night. I didn't nothing. say that you achieved what you were trying to achieve. <laughs> no. I said you were trying. You were sitting there thinking, I have to like, you know, I have to sound relaxed and kind of hip right now. And you came out with no, no. I, I don't think I was trying that. I, I don't know what was going through my mind, but I can't imagine that that's what was going through my mind. Right. You're trying well, to be engaging yeah. or different or something. I yeah, it was, I don't know yeah, what the st- hell it was. It was, a, it, was it was a fail on it many It was gold, Bob. It was a brain fart. 
right. smooth. It was gold. It was whatever. It was I mean, smooth. there's plenty of other funny shit. Like every time you say crap during science or fiction. <laughs> <laughs> or every time Jay expresses disbelief during science or fiction. Oh, here we go. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Uh, you want, Which, yeah. can, we, can, we do, can we play that? Yeah. Can we do that now? Because I mentioned this... Uh, a while back on one of the shows that Jay always seems to express disbelief in a humorous manner and that it would be funny if you were to string all of those together. And one brave listener actually took it upon himself to go through and do that. And I think it's hysterical. Let's play it. Jay Novello expresses disbelief. (laughs) Say it isn't so. That just seems like total BS to me. Whoa. Craziness. (laughs) This is totally (laughs) bullshit. Kind of BS. My God. How can that possibly be true? Everybody would have brain cancer. <laughs> what? 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 How? I don't know. I'm just saying, listen, there was a mystery. I'll tell you what. I agree with Bob. Well, what do you mean? I'm commenting in my head. That's awesome. My head is kind of getting weird looking as I get older. I'll take science <laughs> fiction for a thousand. Wow, you suck. That's really weird. I mean, oh, that's bullshit, Steve, really. Ah, it can't be. That doesn't make sense. Well, how the hell am I supposed to know 8% of Americans said that? Wow, this is a really... Damn, Steve. I'm stumped. Wow, just like that, huh? I don't agree with it. Huh? Shit, man, I might lose right out of the gate here. That's incredible. Son of a bitch. Give me the answer. That would help. Ah, I see. Mm. No. Huh. <laughs> I got it, Steve. What's that? This is a really hard one. I can't... Yeah. My God. Wow. How can that possibly be true? Really? <laughs> I could honestly listen to that all day. I could listen to that all day. <laughs> the funny thing is, Jay was saying all of that about the true items. <laughs> you know what is so weird is that when I heard that uh, a listener named Jason Ferber sends us these sound files, these mashups that he made. And when I heard that one, I actually said, oh, I don't believe it. <laughs> I actually said that out loud. So you're saying you can't control yourself. No. Uh, I love it. I don't know why. I love the disbelief. You have skeptoria. <laughs> <laughs> There's something you could take for that. You're like the journalist, Jay, that says every scientist is baffled, stumped, bamboozled. Jay's who they're talking about when they say, yeah, skeptics are baffled. Just Jay. <laughs> All right, best who's that noisy? I can tell you worse who's that noisy. Oh, the oh dying I beaver. know. Dying, dying, dying beaver. <laughs> dying beaver. What the hell? The that was my favorite. <laughs> who's that? Right, we, who's that? Do I need to oh. clarify this again? It wasn't a dying beaver. It was a beaver showing remorse for the loss of its family. Yeah, his then entire family. Beaver. That was like horrible. The remorseful beaver. Yeah. God, <laughs> I'm still depressed. Well, this is what happens when you so have the that listeners beaver. send in the who's that noises. Yeah, blame the listeners. I give, you, I give you funny cartoon voices, and they give you dying beavers. <laughs> or, well, so he's back be- to dying. Beavers in mourning. I like the hyenas. They were pretty cool. You know, the listeners did uh, have uh, some suggestions of their own, and I think this one in particular uh, garnished the, uh, the, most, the most votes. Garnered, I think. Yeah, unless, unless they were putting little olives on the side. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and take two, and action. So our our listeners uh, also uh, gave us their <laughs> God, I mean, you you think I'm editing that out, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do think I'm editing that out. That's all right. You can continue when you're you better, uh, yeah. Steve. <laughs> 
the listeners spoke, and they decided that, uh, well, their favorite Who's That Noisy from the year was was this little number. Lasers. Yeah, the centipede game. Ice breaking. The beginning oh, yeah. of some 1980s dance hit classic. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't, it should have been, Rebecca. That's very good. The sound of ice cracking. If only someone could auto-tune Jay's uh, expressions of disbelief and set it. <laughs> oh, well, that's it. <laughs> that is that, you know that's happening now. Ice spray. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a favorite who's that noisy. Yes. yes. Oh, God. Of what I could remember. I actually really, really liked the uh, the whole laughing hyena thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, I, said I thought that. Yeah, yeah. You, said, you said that already, Steve. Yeah, thanks for bringing yeah. that up again, though. Yeah, good job, Jay. No, it's good. Redundancy is good. Well, what about the best quote of the year, Jay? Best quote? Yeah, I um, I read every quote from this year, and you mean I again actually, or when you did it the first time? I, again, and again. I actually liked the uh, the quote from episode two thirty five, and if I'm remembering correctly, that was the very first episode of two thousand ten, and that quote is. Weary the path that does not challenge. Doubt is an incentive to truth, and patient inquiry leadeth the way. And if you guys remember, Richard Saunders uh, read the name of the writer of that quote, and he said, Jose Bilal. Remember that? (laughs) 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 My favorite, Jay, I went through all of them as well. Um, My favorite was from Randall Monroe. Very very pithy, but very, very... um, very What was his name? Randall Monroe. Come again? (laughs) <laughs> the quote Real is Monroe. the quote is okay. you don't use science to show you're right you use science to become right mm-hmm. I really nice. like that one very pithy very good I like that you know I like it anytime uh, American history and skepticism come neatly together and there was no better example of that uh, than this quote it is error only and not truth that shrinks from inquiry Thomas Paine episode 239 very nice I got one more, Jay. This is another good one, Jay, from Bertrand, from Bertrand Russell. Truth is a shining goddess, always veiled, always distant, never wholly approachable, but worthy of all the devotion of which the human spirit is capable. Like oh, that God, one. that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. an awesome quote. Ooh. All right, let's move on to some serious stuff. The best science news story of the year. Ooh, that was hard. It was a lot. Yeah. A lot of candidates. Best, best in what way, Steve? Whatever you want to use, whatever criteria you choose. No. The synthetic life story seemed to be the yeah. one that most of the experts deemed the biggest science story of the year. That was big. Again, it wasn't really creating artificial life. They essentially figured out how to you know, manufacture DNA and then of, of a bacteria, but based upon other bacteria DNA, and repl- put that into. A bacterium, right? Synthetic which then used, yeah, which yeah. then used that program to to reproduce. So you would be created a new line of bacteria from that. A very very important, you know, groundbreaking step in the whole artificial life thing. So yeah, that was definitely a milestone. That certainly gets yeah. on my short list. Yeah, for me, that was definitely in in my top three, and it, and it really it was a proof of concept. It really, I mean, in and of itself, it wasn't incredibly dramatic, 
But I think it, it points the way, uh, you know, where we where the next generation is going to take us in, synth- in synthetic biology, and it's going to be. I think it's greatly under underappreciated where this specific industry is going is going to lead us. I mean, initially, you know, we're just going to we're really going to you know we're going to tweak bacteria to make them you know even better tools for mankind. You know, we could have them excrete biofuel we could have them eat hazardous waste so so even this one of these first steps could be pretty dramatic but then even after that we'll be using this technology to create you know pretty much completely novel bacteria like organisms that are that you know from the ground up completely from mm-hmm. scratch from the ground up um, you know, with, with abilities and behaviors that we've never that we've never seen in nature, and we might you know it might take a billion years to to evolve by itself, um, and then and then there's other steps after that that would be even more dramatic. I mean, imagine fully synthetic, uh, multicellular prokaryotic organisms. I mean, imagine where you can go with that. Uh, so it's just uh, really it's, people are going to remember this year f- for a lot for a lot of these advances. One of the things that some of our listeners mentioned that I agree with for Science News Story of the Year was the whole climate gate being a made-up news mm-hmm. story. Um, I th- that was such an important science news story, and it, wa- it was one that just wasn't being reported anywhere, and it was quite frustrating. So I thought it was good that we got it out there and managed to talk about it a bit. And it, it really was huge. Like yeah. this supposed controversy that had been completely manufactured out of whole cloth. That got the most votes, I think, that that story, yeah. One of the news items that really made me think a lot was the uh, Voyager 1 leaving the solar system. You like that one, huh? I really did like that one. I mean, it, it... after after doing some research on it and then talking to you on the show about it, Bob, and then um, afterwards, I actually got so interested in it. I did a cool, lot Jay. more reading on it. Yeah, I did. I just got really, really excited about that idea and, and how profound it is. And, and you know, I wanted to see like images of, uh, you know, like, the, you know, artist conceptions of what, what's going on, where it is. And I never really thought about the sphere around our solar system and where the sun's influence stops and how far away that actually is from all the planets and you know, I right. kind of had that moment where I almost felt like I could feel the distance, like, oh, my God, you know how far away that thing is and how you know void it's going to be when it leaves the solar system? Yeah. And just to be a little anal, it's not strictly a spherical shape, but that's okay. Yeah, you're right. It's, there's, you know, it's like weird bubbles inside of bubbles, kind of, but yeah. they're, not all, they're not all spherical and they're not all round. I think there's some, well, I think there's something intrinsic to it. I think there's, you know, there, it's, it, it is interesting and it is important to kind of know where, where these certain boundaries are. I think there's something kind of inside of us that has a, has a wanting to know that kind of, you know, yeah. information. But what's weird about it too, Evan, is that, you know, humans didn't evolve to deal with, with thoughts like this, you know, and that might sound weird to some of you, but, you know, big numbers are not a part of the normal person's thinking. We can't really perceive them, and, and thinking of distances that far, I mean, we're only supposed to think of distance in miles, you know, at the most, or kilometers, you know, thousands of miles, like, the, you know, we're not built that way. Our brains are not tuned to function, to, to, to understand and digest stuff like that. So thinking about how far away a human object is from Earth, and how tiny it is, and how fast it's moving... I just find that so so provocative. Ken, and as, as far away as it is, what was it? Ten billion 
miles or kilometers it's barely it's barely you know across the street if you think about it it's really <laughs> yeah. it's, it's barely moved in terms of the size of the of just our galaxy alone which is a tiny speck on a you know on another speck yeah we're pretty small i can't help it but add a human thought to being voyager you know like <laughs> i know it's stupid but it's there's something really it's almost uh, lonely about it being know, out there. You know, when those Mars rovers, when when the Mars rover shut down, oh, that was so sad. Was that, was. that was probably last year, wasn't it? Yeah, but, but you're right, Rebecca. But yeah, like, Did you get that little throb like in your heart? Like, oh, the little guy shut down. Wally. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> Wally. <laughs> I tend to anthropomorphize objects more than others, though, anyway. So. Well, at least one of you guys can relate. I know the rest of you are like, oh, my God. It's a very <laughs> thin umbilical cord, but it is little umbilical cords out there in the, uh, in the solar system that come back yeah, to it's us. A it's a, of they us. are important. I think the the biggest news story of the year, which we touched upon earlier in the year, and there was a follow up. I don't know that we. I don't think we actually covered it. Is the discovery of a new human species? Yeah, that was cool. You know, the, that, that this was is cool. The, yeah, the finger bone in the cave in Siberia, which they they did uh, DNA analysis on, and said, well, it's not a Homo neanderthalensis. It's not a Homo sapiens. It's a it's something else. It's a subspecies of Neanderthals. Right, uh, but you know, but it's distinct—a distinct population worthy of its own designation, which is, I guess, it's going to be Homo Denisovans, right? D e n i s o v a n. Why didn't that get more play? That's always huge to me, and you know, with the the family, the human family is expanded by one. That's massive. That is yeah. Massive. Why? Why didn't like we see more about that? Baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's probably going to be more of these little subpopulations discovered over time. Cool. You know, the other thing, the other news story, this is, this again, may sound weird, but there are just some things that just sort of blow my conception of things. And one was the fact that the coming bed bug uh, infestation, that's coming. The coming? The, the notion that we have been living in this bubble of time without bed bugs being endemic, and that we're coming back to a time when bed bugs are just going to be part of life. Oh, really? You know... Yeah, do you think that... I just thought in the big cities and stuff, that we're in, in the country and we're safe. Well, I, I hope so, but it sounds like, you know, we don't That's know what, what they the... think about the zombies and, you yeah. know, it just oh, doesn't yeah. work that way. Get me out of the, get me way. Out of the country. I need the safety They'll of the find city. you. They will find you, Evan. Because you think you have this concept that bed bugs are a thing of sort of the pre-industrial past. And yeah. it's, it's, you, again, we have this linear concept of progress that once we lick a problem, it stays licked. You know, we got rid of bed bugs. We don't have to deal with that in, in, in an industrialized nation. But uh, that may not be true. We may, may be once again become a fact of life. Now, why do they go away? I don't want it because to be a fact of, of life. Because of DDT, basically. DDT yeah. basically almost wiped them out. Yeah, but look how long it took for them to come back, Steve. I mean, why can't we just use DDT for a little while and yeah. and rock rock it out again, and then you know? Well, not we could. Use it. it would just have to be heavily dependent on you know what bird species are in the area and whether or not you could do that without causing another species to go extinct. I don't want to rehash the. We had a, actually a long conversation with Bug Girl about the relationship between DDT and other pesticides and. Bud bugs. I don't want to rehash that, but yeah, just the, the notion that they that they're coming back was disturbing. Yeah, you don't want to angry up that swarm again. It's no big deal. Just put a whole bunch of little little nanobugs in your bed to kill them. This yeah, is I your best science will be in story of the year. Tested with mutated nanobots. Cool. Yeah, but yeah, but they'll be programmed to like go away after a while, right? All right. The most outrageous illogical statement or pseudoscientific claim. Well, I got this one. 
I got one go too. Ahead. Go ahead. What is it? I'm not going to go with funny though. I'm going to go with serious. Um, oh, thanks for the, the warning. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The um, the bomb detectors, the bomb dowsers. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, I looked that at was, those that too. was bad. The very beginning of the year, we were talking about yeah. this. Um, so those were what the ones where they they actually print a picture of the thing they want to detect and they put it in the device. Pretty much, and then the only oh, actual thing inside the cards that that define which uh, which object you're looking for are those security tags that you put on clothes at Target to make sure people don't steal them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there was absolutely nothing inside. And they were selling for tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars to... Um, to, to military personnel are using them to eighty five million dollars bombs. worth of orders I saw these, these people. Yeah. Got. 85 and million bucks. But, like, the... Through the dedicated efforts of, of many skeptical folks, they were taken out of business. Yep. Although, that unfortunately, I don't think the guy ever saw prison time. Did was he? it McCormick? Sure, yeah. he, he was having a trial this year. I don't know how that turned out. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's something where yeah, people get killed. I mean, you, you have to be depraved. You yeah. Know, yeah. I'm, no, I'm going to do a, a scam that's going to result in people getting blown up. Yeah, you couldn't cook up something more ridiculously deadly than that. Yeah. Well, on a lighter note, I... Uh, I choose the article about the 70-year-old uh, guy that claimed that he hasn't – or he was in his 80s and he claimed he hadn't eaten anything or had uh, any liquids for 70 years. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, got, that got the most votes. Yeah. That was Prahlad Johnny. Oh, Prahlad. Yeah, Prahlad. The guy was like brushing his teeth and they were, they were kind of loose about him gargling, <laughs> you know, quote-unquote gargling. Yeah. And then um, you know, they let him go outside so he can get some sunshine. <laughs> When he was off camera, and he, yeah. where was he like, going? Yeah, <laughs> Burger King. But nothing beats the, nothing beats Randy's story of uh, when he was when he was um, testing a, a, another person that, that had a similar belief, yep. and he Randy waited out in the parking lot, and the guy left. Went to Burger King, came back with a bag of hamburgers at night because the guy was staying at a hotel where they had him like kind of under lock and key, but he, he got out. And then Randy goes up and is like, what are you doing with the hamburgers? And the, and the guy's like, I was just going to smell them. Just smelling them. <laughs> Absorbing their essence. Can you imagine, Randy, uh, what, 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 what are you doing with the hamburgers? <laughs> what are you doing? Put down the hamburgers and step <laughs> away. Take Everybody. a deep breath. Some people on the forum mentioned that lady on YouTube, uh, well, that eventually got to YouTube, the video of the woman babbling about homeopathy and how, I think she was the one who was saying that E equals MC squared and there's really hardly any mass in oh, yeah. so we, oh, yeah. we could just ignore that. <laughs> she was a homeopath, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. She was describing why homeopathy. Oh, works. is that why? And it was just such a bundle of insanity. Yeah, somebody wrote, yeah, yeah, that bimbo tried to explain <laughs> homeopathy on YouTube. <laughs> I feel like That's bimbo is a sexist term that I should not like, but oh, oh. it's just such, it's got such a wonderful old school charm to it. <laughs> but, and I don't she was, she was talking to the people there, like they were four year olds. <laughs> like the way that she was explaining it. And then I, it, and it occurred to me, maybe she's the one that's on the four-year-old level, you know? Right. Oh, I no, I know four-year-olds who have more common sense and ability to use rational, rationality. Um, she's an idiot. She's just an idiot. <laughs> Do you guys remember when Pat Boone earlier this year hijacked the laws of physics as evidence to support the existence of God? Yeah. I love that Pat Boone is in the news. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
Yeah. Let's ask Pat Boone what he has to <laughs> say about this. Is he still alive? <laughs> well, yeah, it does. Using I think we should make that a regular that segment. segment. <laughs> Whenever we talk about a, a science news story, it should be, what does Pat Boone have to say about this? And then we'll have yeah. Pat Boone call in. <laughs> We no, G- even better. What, th- what does Bimbo Girl have to say about like, this? Bimbo Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Bimbo Girl. That'd, be, that'd be funny segment, Bob. Dumb and dumber. <laughs> All right, coming up to my favorite. Jackass of the year. Jackass. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Besides all the people we just mentioned. <laughs> right. You know, for this segment, I don't think, for just pure jackassitude, every year... You've got to have Oprah at least yeah, in the top three. Yeah, she's yeah. always an honorable mention. Uh, I think always. We should she, call it the Oprah Award. She has it a is, lifetime achievement. Award. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she, yeah. she gets the lifetime achievement award. We never have to vote her again. She just gets it for life. Yeah, she is the jackass for life. Bitch, she you is. followed us to Australia. Get she your own country. <laughs> <She's laughs> one thing about Oprah though is Oprah definitely is not. I don't think that Oprah is stupid. I don't think that she yeah, is lacking intelli- intelligence. No. You don't have to be and, and stupid to believe a lot of this stuff. Yeah, she's just, very You're just not a critical thinker at all. When I think jackass, I think a combination of being ignorant and having some deficiencies in the smarts department. And morality. Yes, you know, let's add that in. Somebody yeah. who's, who's dumb, immoral, who's doing evil or bad in the name of... Ignorance and pseudoscience. I mean, that's what I think of. Yeah, I could I could ascribe to that. So, who do you got, Steve? Uh, well, there were a lot of votes for the British Chiropractic Association. Yep. Yeah, I, I heartily endorse that. I think oh, yeah. collectively that homeopathy gets my vote. I think didn't we? we did that? I don't remember last year, but didn't wouldn't we have nominated the BCA for this last yeah, they, year? But they but their their jackassitude dribbled over into 2010. Yeah, it, did. it is Steve, so... Yeah. But you're not going to pick someone? Uh, well, hang on. So I think that homeopathy had a really bad year. Uh, they got hammered on multiple fronts. Slammered. And yet the defenders of homeopathy continue to promote this abject nonsense. Yeah. So I just think That's all homeopaths around the world get my vote collectively. It's not the definition of insane. Jackass here. So yeah, but Steve, there were some votes for John Bennett, who who definitely is one of the yeah. poster children for, for God, this. He was, he's no Steve, Steve, he's your he's your nemesis. He wishes he could be my nemesis. <laughs> exactly. He's yeah. not up. He's, he doesn't deserve to be my nemesis. No, but he is like crazy enough. Steve, you look out for those thirty-four viewers who watched his video on YouTube. <laughs> All those thirty-four <laughs> viewers—they're going to come. Evan, and get you. Evan is up to thirty-nine. I was actually yeah, surprised we sent though. Five people over there after they listened to us. <laughs> so I was surprised to find out though that um, that he really is kind of putting on that whole insane thing on on YouTube. That he's a lot more down to earth than he, than the character he's created on YouTube to attack uh, science and skeptics. That's what's amazing is that he thinks that that's. <laughs> Yeah. That's doing a good job well, of, of conveying his message. He should, yeah. Like the crazy sound effects and the video effects. I, he it's even wear, worse, Jerry. It's even worse uh, now. He should wear a mask and a cape. Mm. <laughs> I think that would add to it. Yes, he should. <laughs> to his message. I, I have a nominee for Jackass of the Year that I yeah. think you'll all have trouble um, fighting against this one. Andrew Wakefield. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. He, yeah. This he is the year down, that... Yeah. Yeah, he got smacked down hardcore um, and is still somehow bouncing back up and attempting to stay relevant, despite the fact that uh, his paper was pulled from uh, the Lancet. The, 
lancets and yeah and and the he was struck off basically you know he was so completely he was thoroughly debunked i think we yeah. normally avoid the word debunk because it implies that you go into something with a certain yeah, a, a priori. It's yeah. too bad yeah. because all the damage... But he was he, thoroughly debunked. Yeah, but oh, it's true. It's unfortunate all the damage that he that he's yeah. pro- provided over the years, though. Has, oh, yeah. Has, has done. It's, you know, it's, and you know like how the Nobel Prize, will, they'll give it to like two or three people who did research all in a related area? Mm. So if we're going to give it to Andrew Wakefield, we, we're going to give the same Jackass Award to the Age of Autism. Who's yeah. just always there promoting you know, for their attempted campaign to put uh, anti-vaccine propaganda in movie theaters this year? And just they're Which always we're there, still just, fighting. By yeah. the way, let, let me just briefly say that Elise has continued to stay on top of that story, and she found that um, I think Maria, one of the other skeptics, saw one of the anti-vaccine PSAs being shown in a theater. And alerted Elise, who contacted the theater. They found out that the um, the syndicated advertising company that they use slipped that PSA in without informing Whoa. the theater. The theater had it pulled immediately. Uh, but who knows how many other movie theaters are running it, and they don't even realize it. So Elise is now following up with their clients, attempting to uh, make sure that these PSAs aren't running. So these are they are sneaky mofos. Yeah. yeah. And Jenny McCarthy and Meryl Dory. Yeah, they all they'll get. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lump them that. into the autism. In. The anti-vaccine yeah. loons collectively. Yeah. I I guess you know if I had a vote for one person, I would say that worldwide it was Dory. Meryl Dory. Yeah. She was a, a giant jackass. Yeah. Yeah, she's despicable. All right, and the flip side, the skeptic of the year. Uh-huh. So the audience favorite was clear. Yeah, yeah. Simon. The, the oh, Simon. Simon, Simon Singh. Singh. Simon Singh won yeah. hands down in terms my of the first. because no this question. was the year that he bested the British Chiropractic Association. Yeah. Yeah. They they dropped their lawsuit. He he won the staring contest with them basically. Yep, and, and he, has gotten the law, the legal system there to rethink their libel laws. Yeah, so he, he was definitely a real skeptical hero this year, and what an impact, definitely yeah. deserves. I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Congratulations, Simon. <laughs> Rebecca, tell him what he'll win. <laughs> uh, you know, Absolutely nothing. But, 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 <laughs> it's something. I think uh, Richard Saunders uh, leading up the Australian skeptics with the power balance win that we had this past month. Well, yeah, I think of... I would expand it to the Australian yeah. skeptics. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, they had a great year. They, they, they did. And led they the way ass. on power balance. They led the way on a lot of anti-vaccine stuff. And they pulled off an awesome conference, TAM Australia, an awesome conference. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, for 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 activists and organizers, they kicked so, ass this year. Yeah, great job. Yeah, yep. <laughs> great job. I don't know how they're going to top it. <laughs> kicked ass. You know, talking about Simon Singh and and being inspired by what he did this past year and following everything. I mean, I remember talking to Rebecca when when this story broke and getting more accurate information. From Rebecca, like who's who's basically there, and knowing people involved, and knowing Simon and everything. I mean, I had an emotional attachment to this story, like no other thing that happened this year in the world of skepticism. And uh, when Simon, when th- the news came down that Simon actually won the lawsuit, like I, I was so thrilled beyond thrilled that it happened. I was really, really excited, and I thought, you know what, the activism is working. Yeah, I mean that's what and and. 
I think the same holds true for our mention of the Australian skeptics is that that it's really inspiring to see people stepping up and getting things done. And it reminds you that, you know, even you sitting at home listening to this podcast, no matter what you do, there's a good chance that you can help out in, in doing something. Um, and it, I, I would even throw in as a, an honorable mention, Elise Anders, I mentioned yes. her earlier yeah, because I mean, she's, she's basically like single, I, well, single handedly. She's got obviously she's the skeptics single? behind her, but for the most part, she's the the face of this fight against the age of autism, uh, anti-vaxxers mm-hmm. and, you know, she's not backing down and, and she's just, you know, just, <laughs> she's an amazing woman, but when mm-hmm. it comes down to it, she's, she's just a mother who was concerned about, um, you know, her, her children getting yeah. vaccinated and she saw this happening and she decided she would do something about it. Yeah. It's and like, it's like it's Reese a, Morgan as well. I mean, there's a lot of individual yeah. skeptics who, and the skeptic bros for doing the placebo bans. I mean, there's lots of individual skeptics out there who just take one thing under their belt and make it their own. Cause you know, we, we can't do everything. Nobody, it was, you know, a, we, it was a great year for grassroots skepticism. Yeah, no doubt about it. It was a big yeah. year for it. And guys, don't forget, and this is something I think it, that is very important for us to keep in mind as we move into 2011, is that a lot of the skeptics and the skeptical organizations globally are connecting with each other yeah. now, and they're helping each other. Yeah, we're actually doing stuff. Imagine that. One more honorable mention, uh, someone voted on the forums for Phil Plate for Bad Universe, and mm-hmm. I think that deserves a big mention because Phil yeah. really has managed to break skepticism into mainstream, mainstream yeah. media. I mean, that's what we're all trying to do, and he did it. So congratulations yeah, to Phil that for that great. as well. Good job, Phil. So we're going to do a, a skeptical in memoriam, just basically uh, remembering those scientists and skeptics who we lost over 2010. Of course, we, we already mentioned Martin Gardner, who passed away earlier this year. Martin Gardner was, of course, one of the founders of the modern skeptical movement and was well known to, you know, of course, many, many of us for his column in Scientific America, for his many books, you know, Fads and Fallacies in the Name of Science remains a classic. So, you know, intellectually, he really was one of, one of the people who really got the whole movement going. Yeah, his was one of the first skeptical books I read, Fads and Fallacies, turned me on to the skeptical movement. And I remember his books being sold in Klutz, the Klutz catalog, because I was a big Klutz fan. That's how I learned to juggle and do magic and stuff. And oh. they sold his uh, puzzle books through there. And oh, so, cool. Yeah, I was a, Love his like a fan books, of yeah. Martin Gardner before I even knew that he was a skeptic, or before I even knew what skepticism was. Um, also, we were we were informed by one of the New Zealand skeptics that uh, Dennis Dutton passed away. You know, he was a philosopher, an intellectual, and the co-founder of the New Zealand Skeptics. Very interesting guy, actually. And I'd never heard of him before. I'm sad to say, but it looks like he was pretty active. Um, you could, he still has an active website, DennisDutton.com. And of course, Dennis Dutton was very famous for his website, Arts and Letters Daily, um, which he founded in 1998. And uh, got millions uh, of page views a month. And it was one of the biggest skeptic websites out there for a long time. Yeah, he was the author of the book, The Art Instinct, Beauty, Pleasure, and Human Evolution. So I never read it, but it sounds interesting. And of course, the the thing we should really be thankful for Dennis Dutton uh, for doing is is that he believed that the internet could be used as as more than just a place to... Um, you know, for porn and lolcats, he 
actively <laughs> campaigned for the idea that there could be a free flow of intellectual discourse on the internet, and that's why uh, he set up Arts and Letters Daily, and he was sort of committed to that ideal. And for that, I think we should all be grateful because I think that we're sort of I I hope that this podcast and and our blogs are a continuation of of his ideas. He invented the internet. He did. Yeah. Al Gore. <laughs> wow. <together. laughs> so, so what you're saying is he brought it to all our attention that there was enough room for intellectual stimulation and pornography both. Yeah. On the <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> in the same place. Yeah, two yes. different kinds of stimulation. Right. Just think about how that guy changed your life. He, I, I think, uh, yeah, Dutton was probably a bit underappreciated amongst um, skeptics in the uh, in America, at least in the UK probably a bit more appreciated in New Zealand. But also he was very um, famous and popular amongst just the literary elite, I suppose, for his website, which I think is great because he was a skeptic who sort of branched out beyond what we would consider the normal skeptic audience. Uh, Also, this was the year that Sutomu Yamaguchi passed away. You guys know who who he was? Yeah, I heard about him. Yeah, yeah. So, amazing story. This guy... Was in Hiroshima when mm. the atomic bomb was dropped on. Oh, that's a bad place to be. Oh, that, that guy. You he survived. You went almost anywhere else in the world except there on that day. Right. He survived, was taken to a hospital in Nagasaki. Oh, he was safe oh. for a few days there. And then he got bombed there. Oh. He survived two atomic bombs. And How then, kick ass is that? And then. Human cockroach. And you know, he's like the he's the only guy alive that can hear the second bomb go off and he can go again, <laughs> again, not again. It's like, oh no. <laughs> it's like a freaking movie. <laughs> he passed away this year at the age of ninety three. From cancer? One hardy mofo. <laughs> now, Jay, th- there's also Jay, this one's close to your heart. So I, I know you'd you'd want to rec- recognize that this was the year also that Bob Guccione died. Oh, yeah. Oh. Founder Pro- of Penthouse Magazine. Producer of Caligula. How late was that guy? <laughs> <laughs> like a shag rug in the 70s. <laughs> I know. Think about it. <laughs> Malcolm McDowell was in that movie. Yeah, that's yeah. true. He, star- he starred in it. Yeah. Star- the title role. And Helen Mirren. Jeez. Uh, and a number of scientists uh, died this year. We, we did talk about Benoit Mandelbrot known as the father of fractals. Uh, we talked a lot about him. We'll miss you, yep. Benoit. Yep. Mm-hmm. We'll put up a monument called Fractal Rock. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you guys know that the director of The Empire Strikes Back died? Erwin Kirshner. Yeah. What? Oh, oh. yeah, that's right. Nobody yeah. took, ever took so much junk and molded it into such wonderfulness than Erwin Kirshner, I argue. Yep. Also, Dino De Laurentiis. Ah, oh, uh, wow. Dune and... He did some um, other stuff, too, but... King Kong in the mid-70s, yeah. Twin Towers. Well, let's do some quick SGU stats before we move on to who's that noisy in science or fiction. Stats. <laughs> so the <laughs> SGU continues to grow. We are on the cusp... We're on of, a cusp? ...of passing... Oh, Virgo an and... ...arbitrary oh. numerological milestone. <laughs> <laughs> of... 20 million all-time downloads. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. 20 million. 20 million. Oh 20 million. million. We will cross See, Steve, it sometime this month. 
meaning January. So right now, as of right now, we have 19,662,565 downloads. So maybe the person listening to this right now is the one who made us pass the 20 that number. That we should have a prize. That, that round number. Yeah, yeah. We should. Yeah, we should. Yeah, Twenty million dollars possible. to the twenty I mean, millionth listener. That's impossible. <laughs> they have to prove it that they're the twenty. Million. Yeah, if you can prove it, we will recognize you. Um, twenty million dollars. The average, like a crazy. <laughs> the average downloads per episode <laughs> has increased to about eighty thousand, which I is s- awesome because yeah. I remember when we were at sixty thousand, we were talking about how we we all thought we had plateaued. Oh, well, we continued to creep up, right? For which I might I might point out is. Almost two hundred and thirty-five thousand two hundred in in the octal uh, numbering system, which is a lot. The f- are you talking <laughs> about? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's ba- great. Base, base eight, man. For, for, hey, base ten. What's so special about base ten? Go, let's look at base eight. Let's look at hexadecimal. We have ten fingers, Bob. <laughs> we have ten fingers. I know, okay? but that's base our 10. bias. We got to Jay. We got to transcend our biases. Yeah, it was perfect. No, timing, Bob's Bob. right. We have. <laughs> we should use hexadecimal and just report that we have H million listeners <laughs> a year. How many nano? Yeah, one, yeah, once in a while. Once in a while, we could do that. Bob, the reason why we go we we use ten is we. When you get to the number ten, the zero comes up again. <laughs> oh, oh, Bob, Bob, oh boy, timing's, your timing's impeccable. You you figured oh out we needed to geek it up about twelve <laughs> levels right there. And you did a another job idea for a, for a whole podcast episode. It's called Jay Explains Base. I know how the first episode will go. Okay, hold up both hands in front of your face. <laughs> yeah. So we have eighty kilo listeners. Eighty. Killer listeners, we do. <laughs> Our app, we have more listeners. At that's how many unique downloads or, we get uh, per episode per week. Total downloads is about five hundred and fifty k a month. So you figure, what's that? One hundred and thirty, one hundred and forty thousand a week. That's wow. pretty. That's a pretty, pretty big good. audience. Which is fourteen killy killy listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Now, actually, we we do have access recently to our stats by country. It's no surprise that the United States is the our, where most of our listeners are. Fifty three point six percent of the downloads are from the U.S. Twelve point five percent from the U.K. Australia's in third with eight point two percent, and Canada is right at their heels with eight point one percent. Mike, can you do something about I'll that? start yeah. listening yeah. again, so I'll bring so it up to 8.2. Canada and Australia are in a dead heat. I think they need a competition. Why no, the no. disparity, though? That's a little bit surprising that there's such a huge disparity. Is it just as more podcast listeners within the United States? Well, I don't you have think, 10 times more population. More, English, more, yeah, skept- English more skeptics. I, would, I think yeah, per well, capita, all, Australia no one, is winning. But, you know, yeah, it, no one lives in Australia. So <laughs> well, it's mostly just sheep, and they don't own iPods. Anytime our stats go up, I am, I am completely, completely happy to know it, and I'm completely shocked to know it that people continue to listen to this. What do you think is the fifth, the fifth most uh, populous country in terms of SGU? Rwanda, fans? Hawaii, uh, <laughs> the Vatican. That, that's where Obama was supposedly Cur- born. Kyrgyzstan. Um, um, after, Ireland. After Micronesia. Canada is is Sweden, then New oh, Zealand, yeah. wow. Sweden. Sweden, Norway, it's is all those Germany and Norway, too. right? Yeah. Now I I, I looked up the uh, yeah, the well. least number of downloads. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. It's it's actually a four way tie for last between Rwanda, American Samoa, 
Benin, which I've never heard of. Sorry, that one guy who's listening in it's Benin, next, sorry. It's, it's, it's next to Jerry's. Aww. And Samoa, all tied with one download each. That's awesome. Benin's in West Africa. <laughs> nice Samoa. one, Evan. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Jay. Samoa gets the internet? <laughs> one download. We had over 200 countries in which we've been downloaded. Wow. That's pretty There are cool. 200 countries? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Mm. That, that is, is cool. amazing. Yeah, well, not surprisingly, mostly English-speaking countries, but you know. If anybody wants well, to translate duh. this podcast into other languages. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet you a couple of people could do it in Klingon, though. Bienvenue au Skeptics Guide de l'Univers. Mike, I'm glad you brought that up because the official language of Benin is French. Oh, is it? No, okay. So there's one guy out there that just said, yes! <laughs> I mean, oui! Oui! All right. Well, on to some new content. We're going to actually do a Who's That Noisy this week, Evan. Oh, that's right. We are doing a Who's That Noisy this week. Well, you have to say who won last week I, first. Yeah, absolutely, Rebecca. You're very good. I know how Who's That Noisy works. <laughs> <laughs> You've been part of this podcast now for, for the Don't part Don't you tell of five me years. how Who's That Noisy works. <laughs> 250 episodes later. A sentence doesn't make sense outside of this podcast. Go ahead, Evan. All right. Last week's Who's That Noisy was as follows. And uh, so what's kept you interested in skeptics? How come you didn't just kind of get involved in it and then think, yeah, I've done that now. Well, how mm. come you're still sort of active and involved? Yeah. Rebecca Watson. Is. A lot of people. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of guesses for Rebecca Watson. <laughs> yeah. That's me with my new, my new accent. Someone actually yeah. found found the your, YouTube clip of this. Your pre- pretentious it. Madonna-esque accent, that one? Yes. <laughs> oh, I got to hear you speak that way, Rebecca. Come on. Give me a little... Oi, Governor, nice day, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Clean your chimneys. It's like listening into a mirror. (laughs) Caught a blimey. Caught a blimey. blimey. It's like listening to the BBC, right? (laughs) Today in the news. (laughs) Today in sports, in football, that's soccer. Um... No, I'm uh, the other please. person. I'm the other person in that interview. Aren't yes, I? you are. Yes, you, you are. are. You are. But who, who is the interviewer? Danny Darling. That is Danny. Yeah. Danny Darko. From UK Skeptic Danny Darling. Magazine. Danny Darling. Danny Darling. Yeah, we were at Skeptics in the Pub. Is she as sexy as she in sounds? In a bathroom. Yeah. She is. She's mega wow. sexy. Yeah. yeah mega. So we're going to yeah. Tam London. She sounded giga sexy. <laughs> yeah, you should. And Danny will be there. She's very cool. I like Danny. I was also on. I was on Danny's podcast. I think it's called Two Cons. C O N T S. All right, that podcast now has a new listener. Holy crap! Oh my god! I'm not the other con. I can't. I cannot think. I can't say anything that hit my brain right then. Rebecca said that. I don't get it. C O N T S. <laughs> because she and her co-host are on two different continents. Oh, I got it. And they have cleverly <laughs> abbreviated <laughs> the word continent. Short for continent. Now I get two continents. I say. Is that a common abbreviation in the UK? No. 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 no normally they just go with twat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, did anyone win that, Evan? Rufal Rabbit. And, uh, and Rufel's won before, so the Waskily well, Rabbit. Yeah. Good job, Waskily Rabbit. Very nice job. Well done. What do you got for this well week? Done. All right, for this week. Here we go. Who's that noisy?
It's someone who doesn't know how to use a microphone. <laughs> now, there was some rustling happening in the leaves. That's not the noise we're looking for. We're looking for what made that other noise that is quite apparent in those clips. So The fart sound. These aren't the noises you're looking for. It's not a di- another <laughs> dying animal, is it, Evan? No, I promise you it's nothing that offends anyone's hypersenses. So give it your best guess. Good luck, everyone. It's time for Science or Fiction. Each week I come up with three science news items or facts, two genuine and one fake. And then I challenge my panel of skeptics to tell me which one is the fake. But first, a couple of things. First, we're going to do a quick correction from last week. Interestingly, so I was reading the news item about that there's only been two lunar eclipses on the winter solstice in the last 2,000 years, right? Yeah. Yes, but yes, I got that wrong. Had yes, a total brain you. fart. I said full moon instead of lunar eclipse. That's oh, funny. so I wasn't wrong. And cool. nobody picked up on it. You guys all that, knew what I was talking oh my about, God. and nobody figured, realized that I didn't actually say lunar eclipse. I said full moon. That's so funny. So it was obviously there's only two lunar eclipses, full lunar eclipse on the winter solstice in the last, in the last 2,000 years, not full moon, which happens much more frequently. Is that, is that a form of intentional blindness? Inintentional blindness? I yeah, guess so. I mean, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, I knew what I meant. You guys all knew what I meant, but nobody picked up on the fact that that's not what was actually said. I mean, we, we heard it and read it, <laughs> read it. over I and know. over. I know, I know. What the hell, man? <laughs> yeah. That is very weird. It's weird, isn't it? I actually, I didn't believe it when I got the Eve, the first email. <laughs> I'm like, no, you, you misheard. I went back like, holy crap, how did I miss that? That is so funny. And before we do this week's uh, science fiction, Mike is going to give us an update on the science fiction statistics. Yes. The, uh, I have the statistics here compiled for 2010 for science fiction. The person who had the best science or fiction score this year was uh, Rebecca with 77.5%. Correct. Awesome, Rebecca. Bravo. Brava. Brava. Yeah. Bravi. Uh, (laughs) Followed by Bob, which is 74.5%. Wow, that's a good percent. Good job, Bob. Thank you. After that is Jay, 59.6. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Last year you were at 50%, Jay. Hey, good job, Jay. Thank you. And uh, and then it's Evan with 58%. Oh, I predicted 52%, so it was actually higher than my prediction. So in the end, it's Steve with 50%. And uh, the amount of t- uh, games everybody won was 13. And the amount that uh, of games that nobody won was 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, although one of those was uh, one hosted by Bob. Yes. Right. I remember Shut that up, fondly. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> Keep that one loaded in your iPad all night. <laughs> Listen to it as you sleep. Uh, got them all. Uh. So for for this week, there is a theme, but I'm not going to tell you what the theme is, and we'll see if you can figure it out, ah. which you probably will. All right, here are the th- three items for this week. Number one, researchers find that non-coding sequences of DNA may be responsible for more variation among individuals than genes. Item number two, an extensive genetic analysis indicates that modern dogs first evolved in the Middle East, not Asia, as was previously thought. 
And item number three, geologists have determined that the Earth was not completely frozen for most of its early history, despite lower levels of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, because of relatively increased output from the sun. Mike, as our guest this week, you get to go first. Can't we let Bob go first? No. Nope. Oh, come on. All uh-huh. right. <laughs> Actually, you'd want Rebecca to go first based on those stats. That's yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. I'm Sorry. The new, I'm the new queen of science fiction. Yeah, you're the, the new queen, queen. queen of geek. Bob, you are no longer the queen. <laughs> Was I ever? Well, I that one time that you put on that hose. Oh, yeah, right. Go on, Mike. Hello. All right, so I haven't read any of these. Or I haven't... Uh, been reading any science news for a while, so this is all new to me. You read. I'm going to go ahead and say number one is fiction, and I have no explanation for that. You're the one with DNA and yeah. genes? Well, chromosomes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Queen Rebecca. Oh, no, make Bob go first. <laughs> 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 uh, it's, good. it's good to be the queen. Uh, man, it's so difficult being on top. Yeah, well. <laughs> Don't. Oh, okay. Oh. Too easy, don't. too easy. You gotta, you gotta work out your thighs, Rebecca. Set that one down. What did I just say, Jay? I said don't. I haven't, uh, I haven't read any anything about any of these, so I'm actually in the same position as Mike in the dumb boat. <laughs> um, hey, hey, Captain. So non-coding sequences of DNA may be responsible for more variation among individuals than genes. Non-coding sequences of DNA. Okay, so is that is that junk DNA though? Is that? Can you answer that, Steve? No. Not ne- they're not necessarily the same thing. No. Okay. Yeah. See, I I'm I'm dumb. I don't know anything about that. Um, so that's plausible to me because I have no idea what it is. An extensive genetic analysis indicates that modern dogs first evolved in the Middle East, not Asia, as was previously thought. Thought well. I did know that, or I was under the impression that dogs supposedly evolved in Asia, but it doesn't really blow my mind that it would actually be in the Middle East. It's not really that big of a jump to me, (laughs) astronomically speaking. Geologists have determined that the Earth was not completely frozen for most of its early history, despite lower levels of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere because of relatively increased output from the sun. You know what's weird? What's weird to me is that thinking about these, they actually all sound familiar, like we've talked about them in the past. And my suspicion, yeah, my suspicion is that Steve has actually taken previous science or fiction items and tweaked them to see if we can find the correct one amongst things that we've actually heard before. That's my suspicion. That's correct. The theme is these are all science or fiction yeah. items from 2010. Aha! I win! Well, from, from, from this when? year, Steve? Yeah, from this year. <laughs> and I just listened can, to all of them today. Can we just... <laughs> what the hell? Can we just leave it at that? Like, give me a point for that? <laughs> yeah, sure, you get a point. Don't work that because, way, Queenie. Here's your because, crown, your majesty. <laughs> you know, Queenie? the first time I heard all these then, presumably it was... At least two o'clock in the morning, my time, <laughs> and therefore I have zero memory <laughs> of any of these except for this, like this faint sort of re- reminiscence of them. <laughs> it's it was funny to listen to you reason through them the same way you reason through them the first time, <laughs> and yet you exhibit no memory of having done it before. It's interesting. 
Uh, except for I do. There is a memory. There's, There's a glimmer. A faint like, whisper. A, a glimmer. There's a whisper of a memory that allowed me to grasp what what was happening. See, and that's just it. That's my talent, Steve. It's not. It's not knowing what non-coding sequences of DNA are. It's being able to sniff out when I'm being conned. That's right. So what's your answer <laughs> I can then? Totally. Tell that's them. called street I don't smarts. No. <laughs> <laughs> Three. Number three. Uh, The increased output from the sun. I'm going to say that's fiction. Why? I don't know. All right, Bob. (laughs) Wow. This really really sucks. This is tough. And I looked at a lot of these today, and these aren't aren't ringing any bells. Um, Yeah, this is is tough. Uh, The first one makes absolutely no sense at all. Um, More variation from non-coding sequences. There's got to be something subtle there that I'm missing because that's just way too, uh, too, too damn obvious. Um, and I'm sure I probably said that seven months ago when I saw this. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, modern dogs. You know, to me, that, that's all right. I mean, I would think by now we would have a really good handle on pretty much where they, modern dogs evolved from. But, you know, who knows how you know, maybe this, the new genetic analysis was really thorough, much more thorough than previously. Okay, I can kind of see that. And the third one also doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, the the words here that concern me are not completely frozen for most of its early history. I mean, well, what do you mean? Uh, most of its early history. You, can, you know, that that could come back to bite me on this one. But um, I, I, I don't really see this one being true either because I think it's, it's pretty well nailed down that, that we, you know, had – Earth was frozen for huge swaths of time in our past. And I, I don't think – and I, I don't remember hearing anything about the sun being more – having more output in the past – that could account for that. So, so I mean, maybe I should pick two because one and two just seem way out there for me, especially one. So maybe I, maybe that means I should pick two because that seems the most the most plausible. So maybe that's the one that's fiction. Um, crap. <laughs> there it is. First crap. Yeah. Two thousand eleven. <laughs> it's not two thousand eleven. It, it yeah, is when people are listening to this. Okay. Don't get technical with me. More variation from non-coding sequences. Jay, how could that be? I don't believe it. I know, right? And therefore, and therefore, <laughs> I'm going to do the dog one because it's just the least likely to okay. be fiction. Right. I'm At least go now we've covered all our bases. We have <laughs> no sweep for me yeah. this week. All right, no Jay. Sweep. Uh, a few comments. Uh, one, I just remembered what I think my all-time favorite bit that we ever did on the show oh, was when Bob took a oh, yeah. really long time to do science or fiction, and Steve played. It was yeah, the it was the, I did the intermission music from Monty Python on the Holy Grail. Holy Grail. Oh, that's right. That's oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> great music. Classic. Great music. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and being being that I, I'm going last. No. What? No. Uh, Evan is last. Evan is last. Poor, Hello, poor I'm on the show. Evan is the Zeppo of. It's a good thing that SGU. I deliberately put that pause in there to check. <laughs> I don't know about Zeppo. Um, I know Zeppo? Mike threw you off because you know Zeppo. Mike is. Evan, oh, that's Evan right. Okay, the rhythm. It was the rhythm. Um, <laughs> forgotten Mark's brother. I definitely, I definitely think that the one about the dogs, modern dogs evolving in the Middle East. I definitely believe that one is correct. Now I'll also go to the to, first one. It's good to have faith, isn't it, Jay? <laughs> it is. You faith definitely feels good. believe. Researchers find that non-coding sequences of DNA may be responsible for more variation. I also believe that that one is correct. 
And therefore, so I will. Be- I believe that the Frozen, for most of its early history, hoo ha is is BS. Okay. And who we leave out? Who's left? I don't know. Evan. Evan. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Let's take these one by one, shall we? <laughs> Better than no. two at a time, yeah. I happen to remember all three of these. Thank you. Oh. And I'm going to choose to get this incorrect. <laughs> so. This is an interesting strategy. <laughs> lots of good games. Some things there. never change. Uh, the, the dogs in the Mideast, not Asia. That one is the fiction. Okay. Ah. Oh, Evan, all right. What? Now that you've answered, you're wrong. You and Bob are I'm wrong. so wrong. All right. I told you I was going to be wrong. Let's that take these in right. order. Item number one, researchers find that non-coding <laughs> sequences of DNA may be responsible for more variation among individuals than genes. Uh, everyone thinks this one is true except for no. Mike, who thinks this Mike. one is the fiction. I think it's a fiction. And this one is oh. science. Oh, this sorry, one, Mike. H- how can I forget this? This one what is the hell still is science. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, it's the non-coding regions are not junk DNA. They're regulatory segments of DNA. Oh, they, yeah. So they they're, not, they're, not coding, they're not coding for proteins, but they're determining which genes turn on and off? Yes, exactly. Oh, yes. Oh, right. Oh, now, now Bob yeah. remembers. Which, oh, yes, of course. It makes <laughs> perfect <laughs> sense, right? Perfect sense. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, yeah, so that's, that, that could explain, obviously, a lot of variation. You know, regulating not necessarily all the way on or all the way off, too. There's everything in between. So, you know, basically how expressive half on, half off. are the genes. Yeah, you know, you could, they could be more or less active. Um, so those, it's less of a switch. Those it's more surrounding, of a dimmer dial. Yeah, it's like a dimmer dial, exactly. So those, those um, surrounding areas of DNA that regulate the expression of genes are actually responsible for more variation. Oh, genes. I thought you meant genes. Then... Than the actual <laughs> oh, protein coding oh, Mike. of genes themselves. Oh, Mike. Hey, Mike. Right. <laughs> You'll slay us all. Sorry, Mike. Let's go on number two. An no, extensive genetic analysis indicates that modern dogs first evolved in the Middle East, not Asia, as was previously thought. Evan thinks this one is... And Evan and Bob think this one is the fiction, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. And this one is science Oh. Yes, because they have dog pictures on the pyramids. Let's hear oh. it for the tiny mouse brain. High five, Jay. Oh. Now, I will confess uh-huh. that this one was the fiction when I originally That's right. used yeah. it. That's right. Yeah. I tricked you out of shit. Right. It was. I I had tweaked this one to make it fiction when I originally used it. I think they said that the dogs orig- originated in the Americas. Yes, to make it wrong, but this time I turned it back to correct. They, That's right, Steve. Evidence showed that they, they they originated in the Middle East. Oh yeah, and I did the same thing with the third one, which yep. was correct yeah. originally, <laughs> and I made it into the fiction. Geologists and there you go. And that's how he does it, guys. That the Earth was not completely frozen for most of its early history, despite lower levels of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, because of relatively increased relatively increased output from the sun. That one is the fiction. So the yeah. theme this week was science and fiction questions Steve. from the past that you s- decided to screw around. Yes, exactly. So okay. uh, when I originally used this one, I put I put in the the correct way, which is that geologists have determined that the Earth was not frozen for mo- most of its early history because uh, because the well, first of all, uh, who cares? We I won. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the sun late. had had decreased 
output. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? So the, de- the, the, the sun had decreased output, not increased output earlier on. Yeah. The sun's getting hotter, not cooler. Right. So the, que- the question is, why wasn't the Earth a snowball you know, four billion years ago if the output from the sun was less than it is today? And the answer is that there were also fewer clouds to reflect the sunlight back. So the Earth was absorbing a relatively larger percentage of the light that was falling on its surface, despite the fact that that solar output was a little decreased relatively. Yeah. Wow. So who won, those. Shut up. So I believe Jay and Rebecca won this week. I believe And there you go. Jay and Rebecca are 100% for 2011. That's fine. Jay, yeah, Jay, just a little. Yes, you're at 100 yeah. for 2011. Good for you. That's right. Thank you. I'm killing Bob so far. Shut out, here, Bob. <sighs> That's right. Oh, Jay, oh. Jay, relax. Remember what happened last year? Remember what happened last year when you got a little too big for your britches? And I, I received my punishment and executed it flawlessly with Rebecca. Eh, it was all right. Yeah, you know, I let you off easy. <laughs> so, Jay. So, yes. What's your uh, what's your quote this week? So this week we're playing Who's That Quotey? Okay. Okay. I like that. All are right. You, are you guys ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm this ready. is the, the first person to guess who it is. Shout it out at any point during the quote. Okay. Call Sagan. Questioning our own motives. Gallagher. And our and our own <laughs> process is critical to a skeptical and scientific outlook. We must realize that the default mode of human psychology is to grab onto comforting beliefs for purely emotional reasons. Yeah, Spock. Smirnoff. Spock. And, and then justify those beliefs to ourselves with post hoc rationalizations. It takes effort to rise above this tendency, to step back from our beliefs and our emotional connection to conclusions and focus on the process. The process, i.e. science, logic, and intellectual rigor, has to be more important than the belief. I think I read that on a bumper sticker once. That sounds really familiar. So I mean, it was a big, it was a big car. So great. Rebecca, final guess. I'm sticking with Yakov Smirnoff. Well, I had the I have the distinct <laughs> pleasure of quoting my own brother, Dr. Stephen Novella. Oh, and to think that Dr. Stephen Novella didn't know it. I did. Yeah, right. I, I, I'm sitting there silent. I knew that was my own words. Uh-huh, sure. You knew that sure. was yours. So, or should I say, Dr. Stephen Novella? <laughs> <laughs> as corny as it is, I was looking for quotes, and uh, I typed in Steve's name. I was like, you know what? I'm going to see if, any, if there are any quotes from Steve on the web. I found this quote, and I realized, like, when, do I, when does someone in general get to quote one of their family members like this? So I had to do it. When do you get a chance? Yeah. Every week. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Steve, Steve, they used one of your quotes on a bookmark or something. It was it was a shorter version of that quote. Yeah, I like the shorter version better. Shorter version was a little <laughs> more pithy. Yeah, a little pithy. Here's another one. And beware the casual assumption of moral superiority, or that everyone who disagrees with you is evil. That is the path to fanaticism. Doctor Stephen Novella. Wow, it's a love fest. So, guys, the year's over. Uh, I had the pleasure of. Of recording, you know, how many episodes did we do? Exactly 52 this year, Steve? Yes. 52 weeks and in the, a year. Yeah. The pleasure of sharing <laughs> all this time with you guys again. And I really appreciate working with, with all of you. And I uh, look forward to 
the years to come, and uh, hopefully things will keep moving forward for us. And thank you all. Thank you, Jay. Well thank, said, thank you, guys, Jay. for uh, joining me for the whole year. It really was. It was for the SGU. It was a great year. But I, was. I predict. Was. I know next week is our prediction show, but I'm going to make one prediction this week that 2011 is going to be even bigger. Oh yeah. We have some I things cooking her. which we can't really talk about. But like a macaroni. cake in the oven, baby. <laughs> but, sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I don't want to get you too excited. Maybe some exciting yeah. things happening in 2011 for the SGU. Evan is pregnant. <laughs> I didn't touch. I would be a billionaire. <laughs> you would be. All right, but Steve, we we can't forget to thank the the listeners of our show, the supporters of our show, the people that that post on our forums. I mean, we we're here today after all these years because of the people that listen to the show and the awesome feedback we get and all the awesome emails that we get and. Everyone that turns out to see us do the live events, I mean, that is exactly why we're here. Yeah, I mean, we are yeah. part of a community, an awesome community. I mean, I, I've met so many incredible people through this podcast and through the Skeptical Movement and the, the amazing meetings and our, all of our live events that uh, it really – that's what keeps us going. It, it really is. So we, you know, we, every year – you know, we have to say it. You know, thanks to all of our listeners, to everyone who helps the show, to every guest that we had this year, you know, to to all the people that make this possible. I concur. Uh, absolutely, without a doubt. Thank Plus you all. One. What he said. Yeah, mm-hmm. ditto. What the- thanks, everybody. <laughs> Mega dittos. And thanks. Thank you guys again. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, everyone here. Thanks, Steve. It is a great pleasure to work with all of you. And ditto. Until next week and next year, this is your Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe is produced by the New England Skeptical Society in association with the James Randi Educational Foundation and Skeptic.org. For more information on this and other episodes, please visit our website at www.theskepticsguide.org. For questions, suggestions, and other feedback, please use the Contact Us form on the website or send an email to info at theskepticsguide.org. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us spread the word by voting for us on DIG or leaving us a review on iTunes. You can find links to these sites and others through our homepage. Theorem is produced by Kineto and is used with permission. Yeah.